Hi folks, welcome to Operation Ferroliminal Resonance. Sorry honey's fourth season, scenario, adventure, fourth, fourth thing. We're keeping with the tradition of selecting works that haven't yet been committed to an audio treatment. And this scenario is another favorite of mine, adapted from an original manuscript by Thomas DePaolo, a prolific contributor over at NATO or, or the Night at the Opera Discord server. Also uh, goes by the username Burning Heron. I'm also here to just, you know, Thank a lot of you for listening to the show. Blood, sweat, and other hyper-geometric humors have been shed to bring you, sorry honey, I have to take this. I think the easiest spot to get access to all the internet places within we often dwell is our link page at linktree slash sorryhoney. That's linktr.ee slash sorryhoney. And I'll just call out briefly that it if you so desire, you can directly support the show through that page or going directly to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash sorry, honey. We keep getting a bit more and more ambitious with our production, and I hope you've enjoyed the steady ramping up of the show. But I'm still just one entity performing 99% of what you hear while relying on a good cast to run around in the horrific mazes I've built. But it's your support that gives me the elbow room to keep building, keep exploring, keep improving. So, thank you again. Let's get to it. Welcome to Operation Ferroliminal Resonance. Hello? What time is it? Who is it? Um, I don't know. I... Situation. Green. All turf. No surf. Sorry, honey. I have to take this. the show is a bad show <laughs> thank you thanks man so with on that note on that note uh let's get this piece of shit started uh, we have a little homework from last operation i need to award some unnatural to our stalwart surviving characters oh, yeah. so i, I would like stalwart. everyone <laughs> i would like everyone but ryan to roll a 1d6 to see how much your character has gained during their experiences with the unnatural in Operation Molten Carrier. And just let us know what you get. Fucking classic. Ryan feels I bullied. One. I got two. I got a three. <laughs> got it. This is, this is bullshit. So a, a hot one, a hot two, and a hot three Ryan, is what I Ryan, heard. Ryan, char- it's half alien already. What are you worried about? So we should have like a ton of unnatural knowledge. You should be like. Please go to your character sheet and pop that in for me because I am lazy. How about Ryan rolls a one d ten? Ryan, you go ahead and roll a one d six plus two. Oh, oh shit! Now I feel special. That's coming off the top of like your sanity, just so you know. Shit that I'm go, don't you? <laughs> well, I feel like an asshole because I rolled a four, but at least we're keeping the pattern. one, two, three, four. All right, good job. Yep. Well, that's easy. <laughs> in order at that. Fascinating. Mm. 
I'm going to start my home scene by saying Ryan feels more unnatural. He feels less natural. He's he is definitely a little weird, though. He's got some things going on. Sure, 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 sure. Don't spoil it, Chris. Also, we know, Prentice, you, you hit your breaking point during the pitched battle of oh, Pier 31. Yeah. Congratulations. You've racked up a trauma. We're going to do our oh, best to uh, incorporate that into any subsequent scenes as appropriate. Um, we're gonna so fold it we'll in be, like we'll be cake working together to make that uh to make mm. that scene yeah. a bit hopefully i think that's about it we should dive into the home scene what's happened to our agents in between operations right because you know delta green's calling you back to the field i'm gonna let y'all know you have a few months actually it's a lengthier period of time than you've had in the recent past where it seems like how is it on Girth? Where it seems like you've been called in again and again with very little R&R in between. Did you say, how is it on Girth? That's what you said, right? Yeah. Because right, you said so it, you was made a dick joke. No. it was It was, I get it. I got it. I, made a dick I got joke. it now. Sorry. Yeah. Took me a second though. Yeah, it was good. Put it out there. You whipped it so out there, Eric. You are, whipped it out there. You know, we're, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I flopped it. And it, it made a thunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, is that resounding. like because it's so big or is there a problem? Um, Sounds like there's a problem. Because it's so big. Problem. It might be a, mm-hmm. a But there's a problem too. Hyd- hydro. <laughs> uh, it's. You got to tell us what looks. It's water. Nice. God. <laughs> so I think what we're going to do, we will move to see what Royson gets up to in this period. All right. Royson sat in her camp room at Camp Fury talking to her best friend, Daniel. Logically, she knew he wasn't really there. He couldn't be. He'd been dead for years. She still remembered watching his eyes go strangely calm as he was brutally gunned down in the dirty scrubland of the Syrian DMZ. But here he was in her room, talking to Royzen as if nothing had changed in the four years since she'd carried his lifeless body out of harm's way to be buried at his family plot. The talk was productive. Daniel convinced her in his roundabout way that it was time to return home. A quick call to Snedeker and Royzen soon handed over Jeff's old laptop after assuring the agent that she would keep in touch. With a hug, she wished Snedeker well, watching the shimmering black shadow of her brother encouragingly nod from behind the agent's shoulder. She soon made another call to Ryan, but couldn't bring herself to let the phone ring more than once. Instead, she sent him an encrypted message via the old channels. Off to the villa for a long spell. Fond regards, many happy returns. Be seen. Her bags were already packed, complex arrangements made, and all the right palms greased to get her out of the States with little fuss. Waiting for the Air Force lift to take off, Royzen held tightly, desperately, onto the small thumb drive containing an image of Jeff's computer, as well as a collection of photographs from her work with Arcel. There was only one last call to make. The plane's engine began to spin up when the call finally connected and she heard a familiar voice on the other end of the line. Her voice, almost choking, she eventually answered, Abba, tell everyone I'm coming home. See you soon. Several pairs of ghostly hands rested on her shoulders reassuringly as the plane lifted off into the night. All right, so this sounds like Agent Royzen is going home, back to Israel, right? That's correct. Okay, she may be out of communications range for future operas, but it uh, seems like she was starting to see a few things that were encouraging her to uh, take a break, maybe a lengthy one. Let's go to Agent Prentice. Dr. Everett Hampson's mind is reeling. This last opera left his nerves tattered and his body drained. Returning to his penthouse, he drops his bags in the entryway, drifts his way over to his plush chaise lounge, and face plants into its cushions. When he wakes up, his body feels refreshed, but his nerves still feel on edge, as if he's waiting for the next shoe to drop. He impatiently checks his phone. Nothing worth worrying about. Just another goddamn check-in from Dr. Pastor, like he cares. News? More of the usual. His condo's immaculate. Nothing to clean or rearrange that's out of place. What's the sensation? Something isn't right, and Dr. Everett Hampson can't soothe his sense of -of out-of-placeness, like hands constantly ringing in his mind. This silence in his condo's too much. He turns on his Bang and Olufsen sound system, sits back in his deep, overstuffed listening chair, pulls up his favorite Ween song, Buckingham Green. (sighs) Already it seems too loud, and his nerves jerk his thumb to the volume down. No. More. He can barely hear the song, 
as it slowly gallops through the intro, and his anxiety mounts in anticipation as it builds toward the inevitable crescendo. Nope. Anxiety screams through his mind, visions of the warehouse firefight, of clashing demons, and unstoppable container ships roar through Dr. Everett Hampson's mind as his thumb reflexively jabs the power on his Ultralux Hi-Fi sound system. Dr. Everett Hampson jumps to his feet and paces back and forth. I need to relax, he thinks. So no uppers. Dr. Everett Hampson pulls out his iPhone and eyes it suspiciously before turning the volume as low as it will audibly go and calls his favorite party girl, Cashmere Chastity. CC for short. I want to party tonight, but chill vibes only, you get me? Oh, and come to my condo. I'm not sure I want to go out tonight. Bring whatever you think will suit the mood and Venmo me the request. And I think you want me to be uh, CC, right? Yeah. Cashmere Chastity. Yep. Excellent. So she sends back to you. You got it, sweetie. I can be there in an hour. True to her word, CC rings the doorbell an hour later. A cacophonous bing bong. Eliciting a fuck from Dr. Everett Hampson as he launches from his couch into flight mode. His mind back in the goddamn warehouse, calamitous noise, dazzling light play, blood flying every which way as two shadowy demon things dance in the air to the symphony of death below them. Bing bong. No! Bing bong. Jesus! Bing bong. Why? Bing bong. Dr. Everett Hampson's mind is stuck in the shattered warehouse night, on repeat, with every impatient ring, his body rocking in his spacious penthouse closet, expensive clothes wadded and stuffed over his ears, but it's not enough. The ringing stopped after some time. Dr. Everett Hampson doesn't know when. When he emerges cautiously from his closet, he checks his phone. One message, CC. Not cool, bitch. I'm charging you. Her public Venmo payment request is to the amount of $4,000, with an emoji of a female shrugging. Dr. Everett Hampson grudgingly pays the request, removes his soiled clothes, and takes a shower. When his mind is settled, he looks into replacing his doorbell ringer with a cell phone notification instead, something he can handle. He takes another couple of days off work to orient himself in his new mental state. And I'm going to play that out as mechanically he's going to be fulfilling his responsibilities. Do you already have him up, Eric? Do you want to walk us through what you get to do? I get to improve a bond by 1d6 if I succeed. If I fail, it only gains one, or a fumble would be reduced by 1d4 and lose one sanity. A critical can give me a 1d6 gain. And so it's a sanity roll you have to make? It is. I'll have to report back how you roll, so go ahead. Okay. All right, that's a failure. <laughs> Don't believe Classic. it. Classic. So what, it, what does that mean? That means one <laughs> to your bond? That means one to the bond. And that's it. Which that's bond it. are you going to raise by one? I think Rodrigo Pastor. The much maligned? Yeah, he's been um, he's been the object of Prentice's um, fury and uh, just getting back into the flow of things, sticking his nose to the grindstone with, um, with their center does improve relations with him somewhat, though he is still somewhat acidic towards him. I like it. Well, it's been months. It sounds like Dr. Hampson slash Agent Prentice is grappling with some incredible inner demons, but Delta Green calls him. How does that happen? And where is he off to? Again, he gets a notification on his cell phone telling him the location for his next opera that he is invited to. It's going to be, I believe, in Boston. Is so that So you just correct? get a text message? No. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> no? No? You want me to be fancier? Well, I mean, I gave you like a whole list of examples. You can just pick one of those. They're like a thousand times better than you getting a text message. Oh my don't, God. Don't just, don't just come to the table with, I got a text message wow. from Delta Green. Holy shit. Good job. There's so many better ways we could play this. Do better. Holy shit. Chris, you gave me a list? Just coming I must in. have missed that. <laughs> hey, to be fair, his, he posted it at like 6 a.m. Eastern. Right. I did, I did kind of fart that out. I've been thinking about it all that, week. That is, that is not an appropriate all week think about uh, product. So yeah, give it another go. I just, I ch every time I think about it, I change well, it up and it just. Let's go back to I'm, one of the I'm other ones. happy with it. That's <laughs> so fucking funny. Delta <laughs> Green <laughs> texts me. Hey bro, you free this weekend to come to Boston? <laughs> you, you up? You Delta up? Green booty call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> He gets a dead drop at his office. Nope, that's, well, I guess that that's, be a, dead that's drop. a normal drop. That's, that's stupid. Just throw that out. He, uh, <laughs> that's a dead drop. <laughs> no, <there is> no <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> that is literally a dead drop. Prentice is in his favorite coffee shop. His name gets called when his latte order is ready. And it doesn't have his name on it, but his code name. And it has a phone number written on it. He immediately knows, of course, he's expected to call that. He does so and receives the automated message that he is to arrive in Boston at his soonest convenience. It says that you'll be meeting a contact named Snedeker at the Legal Seafoods restaurant around Thank God. around uh, 1 to 2 a.m., ideally. Beautiful. In anticipation of this trip, Prentice will purchase some Bang & Olufsen uh, earbuds that uh, have noise canceling built into them. Anything else that I need to know? Any special things he's going to bring, or is he just... Uh... He's going to bring his usual go bag. Nothing out of the ordinary that he hasn't brought before. Got it. All right. Well, he makes arrangements. It sounds like he has a, a lot of flexibility with his professional life, owning his own practice. Um, does he spit on Dr. Pastor just one last time before he leaves, or... He does leave a nice parting lug okay. right in the center of his Got forehead. It. Yeah. It says, I'm out. Yeah. That's the middle Minus one to that bond. So that's that's that. Yep. Yeah. Goodbye. Back to, back, to, back to the balance. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you catch a red-eye flight, and you're on your way to Boston, Massachusetts, to the international airport. Okay. Agent Paris, what have you been up to? Well, we left you. You were in a physical predicament. What, what does Agent Paris do now that he is between operations and probably unable to perform his professional duties? So after receiving some medical care in a place that was a little less like the side of a warehouse and getting his, uh, his bones re <laughs> reset, Paris hops on the nearest plane straight to El Salvador and finds a beach somewhere looking over the Pacific Ocean and spends the days letting them pass by. Paris knows his time away is limited, but he does his best to savor each moment, allowing himself to float away in a pleasant haze of driven by neon-colored cocktails as he soaks in sunset after sunset, um, filling his nights with cheap beers, party girls, and uh, local music. It's during What's one the of the Mormon moments. Church think of that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fucking <laughs> Yeah, this is going to get back to the LDS, dude, and you're in trouble. <laughs> the only fight that he gets into is when some asshole offers him a cup of coffee. And he says, I don't drink coffee! And throws it in his face. <laughs> Has to stab That's so good. <laughs> is Paris blonde? Why are we getting off script here, guys? Let's hold, this, hold to the script. Hold to the script, everyone. I don't know. I, it's the, during the one of these. You're the one who went off script. script in the first place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Since your plan is to basically go on vacation, what is the mechanic for that? What do you stand to gain for taking this extended R&R from your professional duties? And of course, away from the traumas you just experienced. Uh, sanity and physical repair. It sounds to me like it's in the back to nature spot. So this is gonna reduce any non-Delta Green bond by one. You're gonna roll sanity and you stand to gain sanity for taking this vacation. So if you'll roll sanity, please, I will report back if you pass, fail, fumble, or have a critical success. Okay, you actually passed. So roll a 1d4 to gain that much sanity and I will add that to your character sheet. What total results from that, you will not know. Okay. Well, how'd you do? Rolled a three. That's not bad. Rolled a three and four. This has done you, done you very well. This has been a, a time well spent away. Now, obviously, your professional life has suffered because you did have one of your bonds decrease in value. You may want to think about what that means. So it's during one of these hazy, fun, drunky evenings that a familiar man surprises you. He pulls out the only other chair at your small table and takes a seat and he's holding up his hands. He soon places them on top of the table surface and fur in your brow, you're, you're not exactly sure what's happening yet. He's olive skinned, he has a thick and well-kept beard. His rather voluminous and well-oiled black hair, it's tied back in a small knot. He's wearing a loud Hawaiian shirt. It's depicting dancing hula guys and girls in, re in a repeating pattern. And your eyes go wide. You realize that you've left your sidearm back at your beach cabin. And you also realize that this is the same individual who kidnapped you and forced you to dissect that thing. 
the experience that you were almost sure, at least you were very hopeful, had to have been a dream. He looks at you as you struggle to move or say something and says, easy mate, easy. I come in peace, no guns, no threats. I'm just a bit lagged up and I'd like to have a quick word if you'd let me. I'm not here to ruin your holiday. You, you are. Sergeant Trace, right? What the, hey man, don't, don't use my name. He smiles. Look, hey everyone, this guy right here, Trace, he fights our noble cosmic godlings and alien incursions right here. See, nobody cares. What, what is it? Well, I wanted to see you with my own two eyes. It's not every day one gets to see someone cut a bloke out of the floor, carry him out to a getaway van in broad daylight. Bravo, old son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think I'm doing here, trying to forget a lot of that? <laughs> Don't blame you. Don't blame you. Is it working? Well, the more neon the drink, the better it works, but, um, no, not really. Prefer lager myself, but, uh, you to down. He nods. So, right to the point then. I'm here to let you know that the organization you're working for is more than a bit dodgy. What I'm saying is you can't trust anyone from it. Your partner, your bosses, none of it. They aren't who they say they are. We suspect it's been compromised since the early aughts, maybe even earlier. Bottom line, there's some good folks out there fighting the good fight. And we think you might have what it takes to join up. Face the bigger things that are out there. The real threats. I'm sorry, you, you trying to recruit me for something? He smiles, kind of smirking a little bit. Listen, I, I'm not asking you to betray anyone or throw any of your fellows under the bus. Just take this card. He produces a small white business card from the pocket in his Hawaiian shirt. Call this number, schedule a time to go into this office. At your leisure, you will meet a lovely woman there, so please don't shoot her. She'll just ask you a few questions. You'll answer them. Again, nothing about your friends. Think of it as a last test. You'll leave, then I'll find you in a few days and we'll have a real chat. Paris looks down at the card, looks back at the guy, takes a drink, looks at him and says, I think it's best if you go. Hurt? Understood, understood. Think on it though, all right? He nods, he stands up. Enjoy your holiday. He turns and he walks away from your chair on the beachfront and disappears behind the resort deck. So, Paris, you're going to be called back into the field. You know it, I know it, Delta Green knows it, and it's going to happen now. It's been months, but how does the program get in touch with Paris, and how do they get him to Boston tonight? So, that same day, later that evening, as he's sitting there, still at that same table, coincidence, bad timing, planned timing, whatever it was, an officer walks up to him in a U.S. military uh, uniform and says, um, Paris? Paris says, yeah, that's me. What is it now? And he says, oh, I've, I was asked to, uh, to hand this to you. Honestly, I did not expect to find anyone here, but uh, orders are orders, you know, and uh, here you are. Hands him a middle folder. Paris starts looking at it, sees a seal, looks up, and says, yeah, and you're, uh, you're supposed to come with me back to the, to the CSL, Cooperative Security Location, and, uh, L, and uh, I'm going to butcher this fucking name, sorry. That's uh, okay. You're, you're this this particular military guy can butcher it. <laughs> Not you. It's him. There you go. It's the That's NPC. Right. So I blame all my shit on the NPC. So so rock it out, man. Enjoy. Yeah. This this. Uh, let me give him. A, let me give him a good accent then. Uh, well, man, this uh, you're supposed to come back with me to uh, CSL Comalapa El Salvador. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. I, I, I'm loving it, man. That was great. Here we go. I keep going. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Keep yeah. it going. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's supposed to come with me back to uh to the uh, CSL Comalapa. Um, it's about two and a half hours from here. Uh, yeah, honest, honestly, it's just, this is weird. They said to find you here and give you that folder. Paris says, "Yeah, all right. Let me get my stuff." And the officer looks at him and says, "Well, looks like uh, it's like your holiday's over." And Paris says, "Man, it's the second fucking time I've heard that today." Paris grabs his gear and uh, on the ride back, sitting in the back seat, pops open the folder. Starts reviewing the documents, gets to the uh, Cooperative Security location, the CSL Comalapa base, hops a plane that had been waiting for him, and uh, heads on to Boston. Awesome. You'll be getting there after midnight, just like Agent Prentice. All right, Agent Ryan, what does Scott Malik do during these months between operations? 
Scott Malik takes a trip to Saudi Arabia. Um, veiled as a work trip to do some business with some of the oil executives in the region. He also contacts some of his less savory companions to get inquire into getting body armor. He's been sliced open enough times to <laughs> learn that uh, a more lithe armor is is necessary. Um, okay. Also, while while doing that, he's in the market for an, an upgraded firearm as well. Sure. I mean, for somebody of Scott Malik's means, you know, finding an outlet, especially, and this is his home country, correct? Or is he an yes. American citizen? Or, or he's dual, he's, he's, a, dual he's citizen. a dual citizen. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Finding an outlet here for like a specialty tailor for this kind of kind of soft weave, but extremely effective, like executive level Kevlar armor that would, you know, hopefully be concealable under a, a business suit, right? I think that's your aim. Yes. Yeah. It's a cinch for you. It's expensive, but again, it's a cinch. So unless you tell me otherwise, I'm going to assume that you're wearing this soft weave under your suit at all times. So yes. Pop that onto your character sheet. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So for all intents, this is going to function as a, like a level three, a Kevlar. However, this is an, ex this has like an extraordinary low profile comparatively to like concealable versions that are typically available. Cool. And so you, you're wanting another type of firearm there. Saudi Arabia is a wonderful place for somebody of your background and means to find basically anything you want. Getting it back to the States might be another story, but you won't have too much difficulty depending on what your aim is. That was a pun. Perfect. Well done. Mm -hmm. I'm not going for anything automatic or semi-automatic. It's still, it's still, I mean, I, I still think the discretion of a handgun is in play out of character. I'm not sure really. Gotcha. Did you want something with more stopping power, like a, a higher caliber weapon? I mean, you could, yes, you could get a hand, you can get a handgun that will fire 50 caliber rounds. It's loud and great. has incredible recoil, but it's, it's something that you could I'm easily get your hands on. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I don't know if the desert Eagle, which is the only 50 cal handgun that comes to my mind right now is something that is like typically you would find in a Saudi Arabian weapons market or, or arms dealer there. But let's say something similar at least is is, uh, is what you find and you do some test firing. It is a ridiculous monster of a sidearm, massive, very heavy. The weight of it actually helps with the recoil problem, which is significant, but uh, you soon get a good feel for it and feel like that this is going to come in handy in the future. So I'll replace my current medium pistol with that, ideally. Right, right. We'll uh, we'll upgrade that to a heavy pistol. Cool. Well, that's not really falling into our you know home scene mechanics. I'm super down with you getting more gear. You have plenty of time to do so. But is there anything you'd like to do within that kind of world, like upping skills, trying to get some sanity up, working on a bond? Yeah. So out of character, Chris. I think, based on what we had discussed, I'll fly back to the states and hit up. Snedeker okay, to basically okay. practice with this gun, but I think... So I have a bit for Ryan here. So give me just a moment. I'm going to intrude on your home scene. So this this might change any pathways you want to explore. And I'm totally fine with that if you decide after we go through this that you're like, I'm going to do something different than what we discussed. So... Okay. Um, yep. You're back in the States and one of your many sleepless nights as you shower soundlessly, painlessly, and disconcertingly, your hair sloughs off in one or two bunches, all of it, effortlessly coming out entirely Oof. as your hands repeatedly rub over your now bald scalp. You stare at the hair as the shower's water slowly runs it off your hands and between your fingers to soon clog the drain. You turn off the water, you step out, catching sight of your face in the opposing mirror, your eyebrows gone, all your other body hair gone. In one quick, brief moment, well, now there's a stranger staring at you from your reflection, hairless, thinner than ever ever before, perhaps gaunt. Your cheekbones have never been so pronounced, your features never so angular. The lack of hair adds an additional unnatural quality to your appearance. And again, you barely recognize yourself. This is more than just the recurring blue growths that keep appearing on your back, the ones you now just scrape off of yourself about once or twice a week. This is an undeniable and radical physical change. What do you do? Ryan's going to try to ignore the increase in his heartbeat 
the panic that tries to take over him and uh, embrace the reality of it. He's going to clean out the shower, get the hair out of the drain, throw it down the toilet, and move on. Roll sanity for me. You know, it's never fun to roll sanity during a home scene. We didn't have to. Nope. We didn't have to. <laughs> we didn't have to. We didn't need to do it. perfect response to this and based off of how you rolled. But yes, you're, you know you're shaken, but you're doing your best to move past it. What do you do next? Ryan is going to call Snedeker. Who he, who he now knows as Roger Felder, based off of the yes. last home scene, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Awesome. You call, it rings three times, and a familiar voice answers. Hey, Roger. You been keeping your agents alive? Ah, uh, it's been... Yes, as best I can. What the what the fuck kind of question is that? Relax. Look, I need some firearms practice. You want to join me? Can you be free this afternoon around 2 p.m.? Uh, yeah. Tomorrow, you mean? It's uh, it's about 10:30 p.m. Eastern, I think. But yeah, I'm actually near the city. I can meet you. Uh, are you all right? Chris, then let me change the time code. <laughs> Tomorrow. What the fuck ever? <laughs> sure. Let me do that again. I got to keep the continuity. I I was oh just, God. I realized in the moment, I realized in the moment, I told you it was a sleepless night. So I that's had to, fine. Then, then, had to then adjust. That's my bad. Let me, let me do it over time. No, it was, all, it was, I, I just realized too. I, I fixed it. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll send you the address. It's outside the city a little bit. So you do so. Snedeker agrees to meet with you. And yeah, uh, New York City is not really known for its two-way friendly shooting ranges. It's honestly near impossible for non-residents like Snedeker, presumably, to find a gun range in the five boroughs. So you two meet a couple hours away in Pennsylvania. It's a place called Sunset Hill that you're familiar with. And you are waiting when Snedeker arrives. He walks up to the outdoor booth where you've uh, kind of parked yourself after checking in. And he's carrying a rifle case and a large shoulder slung pack made out of black vinyl. As he walks up, he Pulls out his hand, shakes yours, and he says, Not a lot of traffic out here on the weekends. Yeah, figured somewhere discreet is a, a good call. He nods. You two set up, load a few magazines, and you bear down on some close targets that the range operator has placed for you to start with some pistol targeting work. After an hour or so, Snedeker sharing some of his heavily modified sidearms with you that you're quite impressed with explaining some of the nuances of close-range marksmanship in a, in a casual, kind of friendly way, which you appreciate. He does finally note something about your physical appearance. He says uh, something like, So, uh, going for a more sinister look now, Scott? Some kind of boardroom power play? He motions his hand over his own quaffed head to indicate that you are quite bald now. It's not just my head, and uh, it, it wasn't my choice. <laughs> I made a couple new monster friends on our last assignment. Jesus, Scott, do you need to see a doctor? Uh, there are a few program assets who could take a look. That's nice of you, but no, I'm fine. Scott, you're, you're pretty damn thin, too. If this is some lingering effect of work in the field, I, I need to make some calls, get you some help. Look, I'm fine, and I'm, I'm the best we got, so 
So what if I lose all my hair or need to scrape the occasional blue growths off my back or have emergency dental surgery to remove a second set of teeth? I'm still here, Roger, and I'm the best we have. Ryan's going to put his gun down and, and turn to face Snedeker a little bit more seriously. It seems like he wants to say something, but he's actually taken aback by your response, your firmness. I am always the one facing off against these unnatural creatures. I get my gut sliced open, tentacle fucked by some insane ceiling goo, and I caught, got caught literally in the middle of a battle between some fucked up gar gargoyle beasts, and yet here I am, alive and well. Maybe I'm not fine, but I'm sure as shit, head and shoulders above the rest. Snedeker takes a moment. You're breathing heavily, and there's some silence between you as he seems to gather his thoughts. Look, I hear you, and you you just might be that. Uh, the best we have, that is. At least in your particular world of expertise. Uh, the work your companies did to absorb some of the lingering shell fronts around Hong Kong imports, keep those off of DHS's radar, that was incredibly helpful. Some of those recovered assets, they're really are actually going to bolster the program's capabilities significantly. So maybe sending you back into the fields is a mistake. You're, you're honestly much more effective as a support asset, I think. I don't want you getting sick or hurt, and, and what I'm hearing from you is that you're both. Support asset. I'll take that as the compliment you intended rather than the insult. It truly is. And I'll also assume this concern that has come over you is temporary and not... See it as weakness getting in the way of what needs to get done. Snedeker's eyes widen. He truly seems at a loss for words, but he, he finally speaks. Okay. Okay, you're right. But Scott, the second something changes, I want you to let me know so we can have some of the program specialists take a look. I'm, I'm goddamn worried about you. He looks sincere, earnest. Absolutely. Ryan adopts a more jovial attitude immediately as he returns back to the gun that he was firing you both spend the rest of the day going through the firearms you've brought with you and make no more mention of your appearance or field work it's actually quite pleasant and i'm going to actually award you a narrative delta green bond so this is a bond you cannot use for projection with roger felder agent snedeker we're going to put that on your character sheet now it will be added at half your current charisma. What is your charisma? 18. So nine. Yeah. A leader, a leader of men. Right. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like I'm guessing that you're going to be aiming at, again, oh, good pun, um, targeting, <laughs> targeting, <laughs> raising some skills maybe during your, your, your time between ops. Am I, am I reading it? Reading what you're putting down? Yes. Cool. Firearms and another skill or a stat is my assumption. Which other skill or stat would you like to try to raise? I'm going to try to raise a stat, specifically dexterity. Awesome. Let's start with firearms. Which, I Please think with stats, roll. Doesn't, didn't the thing say you just do it for stats? Or do you roll for it? Uh, you, you still have roll? to roll. You do have to roll for it. Yeah, so oh, okay, we're going to we're gonna roll to see if you improve firearms first. So go ahead and roll your firearm skill. Let's see if you pass or fail. Ooh, that's a great roll for a Succeed, success. Which means that nothing happens. That's correct. So you rolled a beautiful two out of By the way, every time I try to improve a skill, I fail. The last home well, scene that I try to improve a skill on failed. Why am a, I trying to improve? It's a, a roll of the dice. Skills. This is so dumb. This all makes sense <laughs> the when you improve the better, skills. The better you get, the harder it is to get better it's just so dumb it's the, the way of life it's the way of life i should have improved All right, let's go swimming. ahead and let's go yes let's, let's not shit on the on the on the table we've yeah set. you should have gone to the fucking ymca with with snedeker to go there to we go on dexterity look at that rolls. dexterity failure all right you get plus one to dexterity from yeah. basically the from... aikido lessons if you remember that that you kept oh up. yes yeah so yeah, you sure you you've continued that you've gritted your teeth and <laughs> even though you weren't you were plateauing early on you've actually seen it pay the off. The pinnacle of that home scene, the Aikido lessons. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what is your dexterity now? Uh, it was seventeen or fifteen. Now it's sixteen. 
Now it's 16. Wow. Okay. So quite high. Nice. Quite high. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Agent you want me Ryan. To say how I get. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you are going to be called back into the field, much like our prior scenes with our prior agents. Tell me about that. How does it happen? How do we get you to Boston? Ryan is heading back to his condo in the city. And as he walks up to his door, he sees a menu for legal seafood stuck in the door. Okay. He picks it up and sees that on the back where it lists the few locations, one of them is circled and a date and time is on it. And he realizes that's tomorrow. So he uh, packs quickly his go bag, as the name implies, is ready to mm. go mm-hmm. and uh, hops hops on a plane <laughs> a la Miley Cyrus. No. Okay. Can you please cut that? No. Can please you please explain cut that? that? <laughs> nope. Nope. That's it. Sorry, man. Cut it. That is, I will, in there. Make, that is I will make six can. railroading jokes in this episode if you don't cut that. <laughs> All right. To be fair, you'd right. probably make six anyway. I will. Uh, Amber, 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 you're right. I'm so you know what? Fuck that. Yeah, I'm keeping it. I'm trying to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta work Miley. You gotta work her into every episode. Had to push happen. it. <laughs> um, awesome. Anyway, that's I, uh, that's great. So yeah, you're on, you're on your way to Boston. You'll be getting there again, like the others, after midnight local time. So Amber, we have for now retired Agent Royzen. So you are going to be bringing a new character to this operation, someone we've never met before. So I would like you, obviously no home scene, but I would like you to introduce Agent Karina Lask. Did I say that correctly? Or is it Karina? That is correct. Karina. Karina. Got it. Introduce her to us and tell us how she gets to Boston, how the program interfaces with her. All right. FBI Special Agent Karina Lask has been stuck for far too long behind a desk, far too long for her liking. Fieldwork has slowed to a crawl as the Bureau's San Francisco office has recently recalibrated for seemingly political purposes. And most field agents, like herself, are now processing paperwork to support other interdepartmental initiatives. That's why Agent Lask lives for the opera. It gets her back where she wants to be, hitting the streets, pulling thread after thread to unravel mysteries or circumvent catastrophe, and just doing something meaningful and impactful. Not all this skimming through electronic financial records for vague hints of dubious activity. And the program is more than just an escape from paperwork. It's a calling. Again, Agent Lask lives for the opera. So when the email from the assistant director arrives letting her know she has been temporarily assigned to support an ongoing missing persons case with Massachusetts State Police for an indefinite period. She can't help but feel both relief and excitement. She knows exactly what that indefinite means. After unceremoniously dumping a towering stack of personnel records needing background checks on a colleague's desk, Agent Lask is soon packed and on a red-eye flight to Boston International Airport to meet with an Agent Snedeker? She can't help but smile, soon to be back in the field, no matter what might be waiting there to greet her. Beautiful. Awesome. I just want to let you know, you have been officially moved onto a case under your official credentials. So very important, maybe a little different than what we've played before, but since you are an LEO, a little bit different treatment for you in what we're going to be calling Operation Ferroliminal Resonance. Should make it interesting. Let me move y'all to Logan International Airport in Boston. Agent Lask, you will be arriving last to the scene, and I'll let you know when you walk up. But uh, in the meantime, each one of our other agents, that's Agent Prentice, Paris, and Agent Ryan, your flights arrive, you disembark, and you make your way through Terminal C to good old legal seafoods, where you have been informed through your various channels to receive a briefing from an agent Snedeker. Now, this is a name that Ryan is obviously familiar with, but I just want to emphasize that Agent Prentice, Agent Paris, you've never worked with this case officer before. It's a name you have not run across yet in your careers with the program. 
Now, I would say Terminal C of Logan International Airport on a Friday night, this being October 29th, 2023, it's about the saddest place, maybe, to spend your time in the city of Boston. As you each filter towards this near-empty restaurant, you spot an obvious man with military baron sitting in a back corner booth. He waves to each of you until you're all seated with luggage in hand under the table on the booth seats next to you. You look around and you see familiar faces, except for this this gentleman, for you, Paris, and you, Prentice. He's a well-built gentleman, Caucasian. He's wearing casual clothes, and he has a baseball cap on with, well, no logo. It's black. For a moment, you have a chance to order some food, drinks if you'd like. The harried waiter comes over to take your orders. This man, Agent Snedeker presumably, orders a double cheeseburger with onion rings and a side of curly fries. He orders a double cheeseburger at Legal Seafood? He looks past the surf part of the surf and turf menu and goes straight to the good old American cheeseburger. All right. Prentice looks briefly through the menu and wrinkles his nose and says, I think I'm good. There is a drinks menu and a full liquor stocked bar. Prentice actually chooses not to take anything. He's, he's good. Paris looks at the waiter and says, I'll take a, uh, take a te- tequila dressed. He nods, having to write it down in apparently great detail. How about you bring some appetizers for the, the table? Uh, Prentice, you're looking you're looking hungry. You know, just just throw together a medley. Bring it all. This one's on me, guys. Sure. I, 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 think, uh, I think we've got some popcorn shrimp that I can bring out. Um, <laughs> kitchen's kind of running low. We're waiting for the next well, the next delivery for, for money service. Look, are they golf shrimp or are they are they uh, farm or that? Where, where Let's just from? bring the bring bring the shrimp. Weird I, thing I to tell your guests, by the way. It's not golf really weird. Shrimp, I'm not interested. I don't. I don't care. Yeah. Bring the shrimp. <laughs> I don't. I don't eat golf shrimp. Golf shrimp is the only shrimp to eat. That's the... Just no. God. And uh, 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 get this. Get this guy. Points across the table at Prentice. You know, bring him. Bring him something nice. You know. Uh, uh, yeah, tequila sounds good. Get There's get him a nice get him a, I, a. I don't want that. That's tequila not. I'm not going to rocks. have a tequila at two in the morning, sir. I am very confused right now. Did you want a tequila or not? I I've written it down and crossed it off a he few times a now. He wants a tequila. He wants a tequila. And I'm running out of room on my on my. This pack. conversation makes me want <laughs> a tequila. Yes, I'll two. have a tequila. I know Ryan here loves himself some tentacles. Okay, just get him, fry him up nice for him. <laughs> uh. We do have calamari. I can bring that out with the popcorn shrimp. Why don't you make my tequila double while you're at it? Okay, I'm going to need to go ahead and get another pad. I'll be right back, sir. What a bad waiter. That dude's down to 10% easy. Yeah, I'm not, well, he is a 2 a.m. Uh, shifter, so. As you're settling in, you see Snedeker, who has said very little so far, doesn't really partake in, in this banter, uh, but you do see him look past you back at the front of the restaurant, and he waves to someone. You all can't help but turn and see a young woman who you've well never met before look over with recognition in her eyes and with a maybe some rolling luggage behind her makes her way towards the booth. Amber, a- Agent Last takes a seat next to let's say one, two, three, let's say Agent Paris. Okay, this is uh this is everyone, but we're gonna wait for a few more moments. His eyes glance over at the bar where you see a group of three men in shabby business suits, kind of laughing and convoying a bit over drinks. They seem fairly drunk. Feel free to order something in the meantime. Paris glances over, looks back at a guy that says, Is this everyone? Are we missing uh This is everyone, Agent. Yeah, okay. Snedeker, those guys aren't aren't gonna hear a word of this. Go ahead and get started. Go ahead and roll your charisma, please. That is a seventy three on a target. Ninety a success. Got him. Got him. Uh, yeah. He nods. You're probably right. Agents, my name is Snedeker. You've been told to meet me here so I can deliver a briefing. I will be your case officer for Operation Ferroliminal Resonance. I'd like you to meet one another. This is Paris, Prentice, Ryan, and Kane. He lets each one of you kind of acknowledge one another silently. I know that Agent Prentice, Paris, and Ryan, you've worked together before, and I'm hoping you will extend goodwill and respect to Agent Kane as she joins your team for this operation. Let's begin. 
He sets down his enormous dripping cheeseburger, dabs at the edges of his mouth, clears his throat. He glances one more time at the raucousness at the bar and begins. Two months ago, the FCC assigned Agent Clemson Mallory to locate WXXT, a pirate radio station transmitting from somewhere near Northampton, Massachusetts, and the subject of dozens of complaints. The case had stalled at one point, but Mallory was allegedly chasing a new lead when he stopped answering calls from work. The FCC has requested law enforcement's help in finding him. Now, most complaints were lodged by another station licensed for WXXT's frequency. That's 1490 AM WINQ in Brattleboro, Vermont. That's 36 miles away. Now, we're more interested in a different set of complaints lodged with the FCC by individual listeners. He goes ahead and opens up a now meat juice spattered folder that's next to him. His eyes scan across it carefully. WXXT turned all the food in one's house black and rotten. It caused another's teeth to fall out. And third had to shoot their dog when it became uncontrollably violent. He closes the folder. There are dozens of these, like I said. One man filed a complaint earlier this week that, well, says the radio host on WXXT had been speaking to him directly. And that's why he's been terminated as a school bus driver for Northampton Elementary. He had <clears throat> allegedly been asking children on his route for their baby teeth, giving them dollar bills and storing them in a jar under his bus driver's seat. He stops for a moment, taking a beat. He is watching your faces carefully. Oh, Jesus, says Prentice as he considers what he was just told. This is going to be a trip. Did you say there were pirates? <laughs> Pirate radio station, Agent Ryan. But yes, I did. Help me understand what that is. His eyes close in a very and open a very slow blink and or if ryan would know then chris you need to tell me what that is because genuinely i don't oh know. shit oh really <laughs> okay yeah oh ryan right. would 100 percent know yeah yeah, yeah. A pirate radio station is, is somebody who's station? just set up set up a, a it's an unlicensed un radio yeah, yeah. station fcc like, oh. down on these guys all the okay. time yeah I, yeah I, never, so okay. it's just like Fine. you know the Alex Jones right. wannabe that sets up his conspiracy yeah, yeah, theory yeah, yeah, channel yeah, on the wrong yeah, frequency yeah, okay. and gets shut down. See, radio waves are very unsafe, and there are pirates yeah, that they, roam them. Watch out for the... You, so you can actually <laughs> you can cut all of that if you'd like, because it wasn't a bit. It was genuinely like... I Got it. He thought, he thought you yeah. were fucking with him. All right. Not yet. Snedeker continues. Every one of these complaints was filed in the last year but the strange ones appear to be increasing in frequency. Now, the Massachusetts State Police are leading the search for Mallory. They've assigned two detectives, Lieutenants Murphy and Prestridge, to this case. Agent Kane, you have actually been listed as an advisory agent from the FBI. If you need to use that official capacity, it is 100% within your power to do so. However, the rest of you, We've gone ahead and set up some identification as MSP officers so that you can perhaps move more freely. But I will tell you right now, these will not last under intense scrutiny. So please be wise in your field work. He opens the manila folder again, pulls out what looks like identification papers, not badges, for individuals in the Massachusetts State Police. He passes these out to agents Ryan, Prentice, and Paris. Chris, what's an MSP officer? Massachusetts State Police. God damn it. It's always obvious. Yeah. I'm yeah. terrible at this game. Well, yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Prentice, according to this set of papers, you are Lieutenant Sackdaw with the MSP. Ryan, you are Lieutenant Trowbridge. And Paris, you are Lieutenant Harkness. Again, it won't be long before someone realizes these officers, he almost... Seems like he wants to put quotes in the air, but stops himself. Assigned to this case are supposed to be drawing pensions, so use these only as appropriate and sparingly. Okay, top priority for you is locating WXXT's transmitter and shutting it down. You may want to track down Mallory's last whereabouts in order to inform the resolution of this primary task. And honestly, word on Mallory would be good for the official investigation, but we don't expect you to necessarily pin him down or discover where he's ended up. 
That is not what you're here to do necessarily. It's called a motherfucking side quest. <laughs> what I can tell you is what the FCC knows of Mallory's time spent over the last two weeks. You may want to take note here. He flips through some of the remaining pages in his folder. Takes a juicy bite out of a now obviously cold and soggy onion ring. <sighs> Mallory began the initial compilation of complaints, confirmation of their veracity two weeks ago. Now this centered around Northampton. He then performed grid tracking and amperage pull investigations with the National Grid in Massachusetts Clean Energy Center, trying to explain the broad area of the transmission. Apparently he had no results, or at least that's what he reported to the FCC. The FCC then arranged for Mallory to stay at the Hotel Northampton to attempt line of bearing work. This is to hopefully locate broadcast points. He looks at each one of you, assuming that you're not familiar with such things, it seems. I'm sorry, line of bearing, you said? Right, LOB. For several days, Mallory reported back on an intricate set of ghosted transmission sources. Apparently, this is highly irregular, and this was causing a delay in finding that broadcast point. Most recently, in his last reports to his superiors, he had a new lead, and this required looking into property records and interviewing a local librarian about regional history. Now, he stopped checking in. He's been unreachable for five days. The FCC, again, has since contacted local law enforcement. That was yesterday. He leans back in the booth. Do you need any clarification on your directives here? We're to find and terminate this this uh, pirate radio station, and if we can, locate the whereabouts of Mallory, correct? Right. The latter probably will help with, uh, again, the official story. Sure. But... That is not uh, top of your list, right, Agent? So we need to take uh, WXXT off the air. I don't, I don't, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. How many sunglasses do you put on after that one? Sorry, 14. <clears throat> Ryan's going to reach over and fist bump Paris, thinking that was really cool. The tentacles that shoot out of his wrist uh, take you by surprise. Kane just looks at Snedeker. Please tell me this ain't normal for them. Oh, we're all fucked up <laughs> from that last one. I've never worked with this team before, he says. Now, if you have no other questions, you'll be reporting to me through Ryan on this operation. He looks over at Agent Ryan. Any field decisions that uh, need to be made will be discussed with and ultimately decided by him. I want you to regard Ryan as your field team leader for Operation Fairliminal Resonance. You're to contact me only in emergencies, or if you require restricted resources. Otherwise, we expect you to cultivate and manage all needed assets on your own to accomplish the directive. He provides you now with two phone numbers written on a piece of paper. I can be reached on one if the other has been disconnected. Uh, what? I may have missed it. What? Um, what town was a local? Was a librarian that was being interviewed? What town was that in? Well. He was in Northampton looking for the signal, so I imagine that's where. Do the name of the library or the name of the librarian? It's not in the report to the FCC. That's what I'm that's what I'm reading from, agent. I'm sure we can probably Google that. That should be fine. Or maybe agent, you could go to the Hotel Nor Northampton if you're if you're thinking that retracing Agent Mallory's steps would be helpful. That is where he was staying. He reaches into his pocket, produces a large rental car key. There's a Yukon Denali black Parked outside Terminal C in the short-term lot. Find it on the first deck. Recommend you use it for this operation. Any last questions? Can we have a copy of the list of complaints that were lodged to the uh, FCC regarding WXXT? I know you, you rattled off a few, but it looks like you might have a list right there of everything. He looks down at it, looks back up at you. Not relevant. He closes the manila folder. Any other questions? Out of character, Chris, did you tell us when Mallory disappeared? Probably, and I missed it. His last report was five days ago, and the FCC okay. asked for local law enforcement help directly to the MSP yesterday. Well, uh, thank you for the information. Uh, this has been extremely pleasant compared to our last uh, handler. Have a good evening. Be seeing you, agents. So he nods to you as, you as you all start to gather your things, leave the booth, and he returns to his cheeseburger with great intent. He seems ravenous. Maybe he's got an alien in him, too, that, that, that's got to feed. Is that what Prentice says to the others as you walk away? No. 
No, Prentice does not. That was out of character. I'm sorry. <laughs> you four leave Legal Seafoods, and before long, unless there's something else you'd want to do at the Logan International Airport Terminal. There's so much to do at the Logan International at 2 Airport Terminal. Right? You're now in front of this large black SUV. Agents, the world is yours. You have received a briefing, a mission. What do you want to do?